everyone! Thanks for listening. The Share the Load Patreon has a few different tiers available with cool perks. For $5 a month, you get one monthly 10-minute boundary session with me. For $10 a month, you get one of those boundary sessions, plus a shout-out to your own product or show on the next two episodes. As a VIP patron, for $20 a month, you get a month of shout-outs to your own product or show, and one monthly 15-minute session with me. As a sustaining member, for $15 a month, you get one monthly 30-minute session, which can be done over the phone or in person, and your own private Wheel of Consent lesson, and a monthly recurring shout-out to your own product or show. You can become a member at patreon.com slash share the load, and you'll also find a link to a description of what these boundary sessions entail. Other ways to support the show are to write a review on iTunes, to post about the show on social media, and share it with folks you think would like it. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy the show. Share the Load is a time to reflect on the division of labor within our personal relationships. When it comes to the burden of daily life, how do our evolving views on identity and work determine how we share responsibility? I'm your host, Mia Schachter. I'm an intimacy coordinator for film, TV, and theater, and a writer and educator in Los Angeles. Today I'm talking to Tracy Toms, who's an actress and a singer, and currently on 911. We've known each other for almost 20 years, I think. Oh my God. <laughs> I know, it's getting like harder and harder to say every time that I say it. Um, but Yeah, and also the number keeps going up. I know. <laughs> I know. I was thinking about that earlier. I was like, I guess I just have to reckon with the fact that that's how time works. That's how but, like, time goes in one direction. Right, it goes in one direction. And it keeps going in that direction. It doesn't right. stop. And as our relationship gets older, so do we. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's <clears throat> what's funny about that. No, there's no way around it. Um, so I'm really excited about doing this with you because I feel like I'm going to get to know you a little bit better that in a different way than I have all these years. Um, so I wanted to start by asking you um, if you have kind of like formative memories from growing up uh, that kind of shaped how you, uh, learned about like work, like sharing work within kind of your family and, and the home. Well, you know, I was lucky, I guess, um, uh, my generation, I guess my parents' generation, the boomers were a generation where divorce started to really happen. Mm. Um, and, uh, and among most of my friends, and my parents are still married. They'll be married for 50 years this year. Wow. Uh, and both of my parents worked. Um, my mother had a more traditional uh, job, um, I guess. Uh, she, was a, she was a social worker. So I grew up with my mom, you know, working with foster care or elderly care. Um, and my father worked in television. So, um, and my dad loved his job. Um, my mom knew her job was important, but it was really stressful for her. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, uh, so I learned that, but my dad made more than my mom, but only kind of recently when they first got married, my mom made more than my dad. I apologize for my dog. Just That's okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> um, but yeah, my mom has her master's degree in, uh, in social work, and my dad has a bachelor's in sociology. Um, so my mom has, is more educated than my dad. Uh, so when they came out of school, 
my mom made more. Um, and I think my dad was fine with it. As far as I can understand that, he was cool with, with his wife making more than he, mm -hmm. he did. And then um, about the time I can remember, my dad made more money than my mom. But, you know, we were comfortable because they both worked. So, um, and I always understood that your, your duty in, in the world and in life as an adult is to work. Um, and I got my first job when I was like probably 15, working at Jerry's Sub Shop, um, you know, and that was great. And uh, and then I worked at a in retail, did all that stuff. So I kind of always had a job in high school. And what was very important to both my parents was education and and work. So um, yeah, and everybody pulls her pulls her weight was how yeah. I grew up. Um, my dad was the cook, and it was. It, not traditional in that way. My dad loves to cook. My mom, not so much. She can. She just doesn't love it. But my dad loves it. So he's a cook. And <clears throat> mom did other mommy things, I guess. You know, but uh, yeah. we're all just very much like a, a really great partnership uh, growing up. Yeah, that's, um, I mean, so, social work is something that is, is like a form of work that so often falls on on women and I think you know there are so many different reasons why that could be I think it's like part socialized and it might be part nature as well but like that that is so much emotional labor yeah that to then come home and like be also be a parent um, which is, you know, kind of equally like a thankless job. A lot of the time your kids aren't like showing appreciation necessarily. That's, um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's interesting to have that kind of, um, like balance of, did you, did you, was that like a, was it apparent at all that like she was sort of shouldering the emotional burden of like so many people? In well, yeah, family? it was uh, to me, I, I, but as a kid, I just internalized it as she hated her job. I know oh. now that she didn't, um, uh, but she seemed like she hated her job and she was unhappy. Hmm. My dad seemed to love his job and he was happy. Um, so somehow internalized, okay, mental note, when I get older, do something I like. Oh, yeah. And like possibly even with your dad working in TV. Yeah. It seems I had like... no idea it would be that. Oh. I just knew I wanted to do something I liked. You know, and at the time... You know, in the 80s, a big thing for kids in the 80s, it was like, we all wanted to be doctors. That was the thing. <laughs> doctor, be a pediatrician, you know, be be the one doctor that I was aware of that I came in contact with <laughs> was a pediatrician. I didn't, I didn't have any like, oh, there's also cardiology or anything else. It was pediatrician. Right, right. You know, and like one school year, you have your like, what I want to be when I grew up, uh, school pictures. Mind you, they didn't have a whole lot of options. But one of them was doctors. She took a photo with like a, a, a doctor's coat on. And like a stethoscope. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Always a stethoscope. I'd love to see and that picture. Her. I have to find it. I've, I've not found it. And it has to be somewhere in my parents' house. But God, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> stethoscope like. Yeah. Um, but I just knew that, yeah, I just wanted to do something I loved. Yeah. When did you know that you wanted to to act? Um, I started acting when I was nine, but it was always always going to be a hobby. It was just something to do on the weekends to keep me busy because I was an only child until I was thirteen. So. Oh, I didn't realize that 
Yeah, my brother is 13 years younger than me. He lives with me. It's awesome. But, um, but yeah, just kind of, you know, I never thought I was good enough. And mind you, there wasn't, there weren't a lot of people on TV who looked like me. Right. You know, there were maybe like later, like the Cosby kids kind of looked yeah. like me, but, but I wasn't in that. So <laughs> that was it. That was the one thing, you know, and I didn't want to be a kid's star. I didn't want to like be on TV when I was a kid. I didn't think I would ever be on TV. I thought I would always do theater. Um, yeah. But even still, I thought I would do like community theater because I loved that. I actually love the idea of community theater to this day, that you can like have your whole career, but still have this creative outlet. Yeah. Everybody comes together out of their, how they're, you know, their, their busy lives to tell stories on like the weekends or like at mm. nights for a couple of weeks and you put on a show. Right. It's like your hobby. <laughs> and the community comes to see you do the show. I love it. I love the tradition of it. Um, and I really kind of thought that was what I would do once I realized what I was going to do with my life. And I guess I thought I was going to go in a radio TV film like my dad. Um, and I majored in radio TV film when I got to Howard University. It was my undergrad. Um, but I just hated it. I did well, but I did not enjoy it at all. Um, you know, I kind of, I enjoyed I enjoy the information, but I was in class one day with this kid next to me. Um, I call him a kid now because we were both kids. Um, and he was so, like, enthralled in what we were talking about. Like, we were talking about the acquisitions of, like, radio stations or something and how all the radio stations back in the day became monopolies and how the monopolies were broken up. And I was just, I was just taking the information to pass a test. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And I was like, I'm in the wrong place. Right, like, we're different. Not that you feel like that. <laughs> Again, I went to a regular high school for ninth grade. Hated it. Mm-hmm. Did not fit in there at all because I'm a weirdo. You know, us artists are weirdos. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I switched my mate, mate switched schools to the bottom school of the arts. And then still I was, like, going to go to college or something else. And my teachers, they were like, really? That's interesting. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I didn't, A, I didn't think I was very good at acting. I li- No, I liked it, but I didn't think I was great at it. So, yeah, so then um, I was at Howard, and I, I changed my major to acting. Um, my father, actually, one day, in addition to that day, I had that re- revelation in class, um, my dad was, <laughs> was talking to some of his colleagues, and he was like, oh, this is my daughter, Tracy. She uh, studies theater at Howard. I'm like, no, Dad, I'm... Hmm. And he was like, oh, right, sorry. She's in, she's in radio TV film, which, why are you in radio TV film? Why are you in communications? Huh. Is that what you want to do? Like, and call oh. me out with your friends. It's not what you want to do. You're just doing it because you're scared. I'm, I'm around filmmakers all the time. You're not a filmmaker. They look at the world a certain way. You don't. You're an actor. And that's oh. fine. You're just scared. I was like, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's so interesting that he was like, calling that out I think it's so it's so common for artists to like focus more on our plan b than on our plan a right Mm -hmm. you know like the plan a is like a lot scarier than the plan b but I think ultimately when we look at like the life that we want to lead not even trying at the plan a is ultimately way worse um than right so many people do it because you know we're told particularly as actors, and I don't think it's wrong. I just think we're told if there's anything else we can do to make yep. we'll make happy, do that. Because I know, this I've is heard life. that so many times. If you could be happy doing anything else, do that. 
because this life is just so unpredictable and heartbreaking. It yeah. just will dash you into the dirt over and over again. But then when you achieve something, it's so exhilarating. So the ups and downs are like. Right. Well, what do you think of that sentiment now? <clears throat> like, would you give the same advice if you could do anything else? Well, yeah, because I know people, I, I happen to, there's no rhyme or reason kind of right. to this career. You know, I've been very, very lucky, lucky to have steady work, but some of those things are beyond my control. You know, that's, I happen to have a look about me that is a non-threatening mm-hmm. as a woman of color, which is yeah. important. Um, B, I have a very kind of every woman thing about me. Like everybody, even before I was on TV, people would always think they, they, they knew me from somewhere. People always like, you look like my, um, you know, and I'm like, no, I just have a face that seems familiar. Oh, that's so interesting because I feel like yeah. your your energy is so easy to connect with because you're like a really welcoming and kind of um, like uh, like there's a nurturing th- like you're a very warm person. But yeah. I don't think of your face as like like a you know like a super. Fam- I don't. Maybe that's just because I've known you forever. But. Well, yeah, I think maybe that's that too. And it was something that was like like for example, if there's a line of people, like I'm in line. Yeah. And some trying to get from one side of the line to the other. They're trying to break the line or walk through. Okay. They will almost always pick me. Huh. Even my whole life. They're like, hi, I gotta get through or whatever. But out of all the people, it's almost always me. If someone is lost and they're looking around trying to ask somebody for directions, they will almost always pick me. Whoa. Whether it's a subway, whether it's a crowded, it's hundreds of people around. They're like, look, 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 search face, you, you, hi. And I'm like, I, used, I, I went through a period where I started to notice this. And I was like, let me just pay attention to it and see if I'm making yeah. it up. You know, and I would see somebody coming. I would see a whole long line of people. It didn't matter where it was. In the, right, you know? right. All the way in the back or all the way in the front, you know, unless, I would, unless it was too cumbersome in either direction. But, yeah, they were always like, hi, excuse me. And I'm like, what is, what is that? There's something like uh, very approachable about yeah, you. Yeah. Open face or whatever. And I think that's why in the beginning of my career, um, I was booking commercials because people will buy things from someone who looks like me. You know, uh, yeah, not, definitely. You know, they trust me. I have a, you know, and and some of that is energetic for sure. Um uh, but some of that is just literally the genetic makeup of my face, the wow. symmetry and the the way my eyes are shaped and all those things. I, I have no control over that. Wow, that's so interesting. My I sometimes get really scientific about these things, so it's weird, but, I yeah. also, but, it, but it helps keep me kind of grounded in something because or else you're just grabbing it. Yeah, like why, why, why? Why, you know, <clears throat> right. why am I successful when people I came up with who are just as talented, if not more talented than, than I am? Why am I the successful one? And, mm-hmm. and there are a lot of factors, you know what I mean? Yes, there's talent. There's, there, Talent is part of it, but I know people who are way more talented than me who can't get arrested. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the, uh, the the range of things I can do. I can do a lot of different things, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and yes, the fact that I sing has helped me a lot, particularly as a black woman in this business, because mm-hmm. musicals are bountiful for black people, you know, for black women, yeah. particularly my generation in the 80s. I was like, I could sing a little bit, you know, as a kid, you know, I was like, I could sing a little bit, you know, but 
the community theater I was in, they were like, listen, because it was an all black community theater. Um, I started at a little theater company when I was nine, and I was the only black girl there, and then that did not serve me. Um, um, and my dad was like, you know, we gotta move you. So like, oh, you know, like they'd have a family and I couldn't be a member of a family because they were all right. white. You know what I'm saying? They didn't yeah. really, you know, understand that. Yeah. And they but we're children. Right, open the mind a little bit to the possibility. Yeah, so he was like, yeah, we're getting out of there. So when I went to this um, black community theater, you know, players, um, which I love so much, but they, you know, they were like, well, you know, in the 80s, it was like, this is like the very beginning of August Wilson. Um, and there, there wasn't a lot of black straight theater. Right. So like, you want a career, you want to work, you best learn to sing. And I locked myself in a room my room, not oh, my room, and just taught myself how to sing, you know? Yeah, I um, mean, clearly you had some innate talent, though. I mean, give yourself I guess, a I guess, but what also is interesting about it is when Rent came out, the movie, um, they came to my parents' house and did, like, inter interviewed my parents, like, homegrown talent, blah, 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 blah. so did you always know that your mm -hmm. daughter would be a star? You know, dumb question. Oh. <laughs> And, um, and they're like, no. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> well, of course. I mean, that's so funny. They were like, what did they no. say? They're like, no. Um, and they were like, well, the thing is that's very confusing about this whole thing is like, when Tracy was young, she could not sing. Huh. She was singing in the shower, and it was not pleasant. But they never told me I couldn't sing. Right. Wow. You know what I mean? I never had anybody like, oh, girl, mm -mm, tone deaf, you know, just mm. mouth the words and don't actually sing out loud. You know, I didn't have anybody telling me that I couldn't sing, but I couldn't do anything. So right. they said eventually they would, they would listen to me in the shower, they'd go, you know, and then one day it wasn't. Huh. And one day they were like, I mean, because Tracy, that's so shocking because, like, not only do you clearly have like an incredible ear and and like knowledge of how music works, but you have an extraordinary voice. Like your range is incredible. Like it's not just like, you know, it's not like, like if I shut myself in my room and like learn to sing, I would maybe sound on a good day, like an old Liz Fair album. <laughs> so like I would never be able to achieve like what. Well, I think, I think that there's something that I, I probably, um, don't account for as well is um, I grew up in a very musical house. Hmm. Um, my father listened to everything but like heavy metal. But we listen to rock, we listen to country, we listen to musicals. We don't listen to opera really or classical music either. But you know, we would go from like Kenny Rogers, rest in peace, Kenny Rogers. Oh. Kenny Rogers to you know the Doobie Brothers to Michael McDonald to Stevie Wonder. To Donnie Hathaway, to Barbara Streisand, to Johnny Mathis, to Ben Vereen, to you know, um, so I grew up with a lot of um, sonic examples coming at me at all times. So I just became an imitator of those sounds. It took me a long time to find my own voice. Mm -hmm. For the longest time, that I was just imitating. I was like, I'm just gonna sing like in vogue. Try, but I just sat in the house and we. You know, just trying to be a little bit yeah. until it wasn't so terrible. Um, 
there was always music in my house and my dad sings and you know he loves to sing um my mom does not sing at all <laughs> really but she just, just do this like, <laughs> my mom's a practical one you know my dad's a dreamer my mom was always very practical so when i was like okay i'm gonna change my major to theater my mom was like whatever you want whatever makes you happy you know mm -hmm. i just i understand why you didn't do it i want you know i want you to make money i want you to feel like you know there's a career for you out there but you know and then uh, while i was at howard going circling back i auditioned for the british american drama academy at oxford um and um i got in you know and mm -hmm. and not only did i get in i got like a full scholarship and head of that program with michael khan michael khan was like are you auditioning for julia i'm like <clears throat> yeah um because one of my teachers there, Dr. Singleton, who was also best, uh, she was like, I think you should consider grad school. I think someone like you would do really well. Because I'm so heady about things. Yeah. Um, so uh, there's where Julia and I got in. I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm doing it. Right. All in. For real. I mean, once I changed my major to acting, I was already doing it. But I, I really felt like I was going to like, I'm going to do bus and truck tours of Joseph and the amazing technical dream coat for the rest of my life and I'm gonna starve. But you know what? I'll be happy, damn it. Oh. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm glad that wasn't your fate. Yeah, but I would I would have loved it though. I mean, until my knees gave out or whatever. Right. Well <laughs> and, and the money and you know, like yeah. Yeah, I was prepared for that to happen, but I think it started to become apparent to me that I would work, that I was hireable. Yeah. Um um not necessarily as like the star of a thing but as a supporting uh player of a thing who like my whole life has kind of been like a villain support the supporting character who audience members are thankfully often like why aren't you the lead right and i'm like because i don't have whatever that quality is or i'm not like pretty enough or i'm not well isn't it interesting though whatever. how like it's almost like in being approachable um that like works for you in so many ways but that also there maybe is i mean i i know you to have an edge but i think there's mm -hmm. something like with being approachable where at least the perception on from from like an audience is that you are kind of like as you said kind of the every person and often that person mm -hmm. is relegated to like the the friend or the comic relief, but also yeah. race comes into play there for sure too. I mean, yeah, 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 for sure. But you know, it, but I think I mean it's like a, it's a double edged sword, right? Because if I were like a leading lady early on, then I get stuck in that thing, and like then age comes in, and then once oh, you age yeah. out of that, then there's that trauma that happens mm. that I don't really, I'm not really experiencing. Yeah. You know, I mean, because the best friend just moves right into the therapist, right? When you, when sure. You oh, yeah. <laughs> How many therapists and social workers have you played? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so, okay. I want to talk about, like, your work now. And, like, I'm more interested in kind of um, the, the invisible work that you do. Um, like, not so much actually your career but i'm a little more interested in like the work that you do kind of in your in your relationships and like even even i would think in like your professional relationships but i'm just talking make, i'm trying to make a distinction between like being on set and like your day 
you know, like your job versus like Mm -hmm. kind of the internal work that you do. And, um, I guess I'm curious, like what, what's the, what's the work in relationships that you find comes most easily to you? I think being, uh, that's a good question. Uh, wait, I had an actual segue into this question. It was like lingering in my head. It just floated away. We can find it. We Um, can circle it. I'll find it. It'll come back to me. Um, I think the thing thing that's easiest for me is to be kind of a provider. Um, so I, I'm always like on output. Like I'm always giving and giving and supporting and whatever, whatever you need, blah, blah, blah. How do I connect this person to this person? How do I um, very much recognize my position of privilege being a successful actress and how do I help other people achieve um, their goals? How do I support? I mean, to the point where I go above and beyond so much that it becomes detrimental to everybody. You know, that's oh, the thing that I watch out for. You know what I mean? Because then I, then I can become an enabler. Ooh. really quickly because one of the reasons why I, I, I found it just came back to me okay great in addition to this is a segue but it, it was a lingering thing from the last bit in addition to the things that I cannot control um like how I look or what my type is or things like that you know um the things I can control is my work ethic um and how I show up <clears throat> for my job. Um, and when I, when I laid the foundation for my career back in my late teens, early twenties, my work ethic was insane. You know, once I, once I switched my major to theater, I was literally doing 20 credits because I had to make up for time. So I wanted to graduate on time. So I was carrying 20 credits per semester, but also doing shows outside of school. So if the show at school did not, cast me. I was doing a show at the dinner theater uh, that was 40 minutes away, you know, and I would go to rehearsal or I was doing a play back in Baltimore. It was in DC, Baltimore. Or, and also I was always in rehearsal for a show or in a show. Even though I was in a show, I'll be in rehearsal for another show. And, <clears throat> and even the other students in my class, they would make fun of me because I was like, well, like what is wrong with you? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> how and I actually don't know how I had much energy or drive. I was just driven to like a, it was just so driven. Now I can relax. Yeah. You know, now I'm like, can I get some of that back, please? Right. I would like some of that back. Yeah. Because <laughs> now I'm like, ooh. Well, she was cute back when she was 20. She was running around on the highway all the yes, time. So <laughs> much energy. I know. I can't even imagine. Now I'm like, what are the words? What are the lines? What? This episode is brought to you by me. I'm teaching boundary and consent classes on Zoom on a sliding scale. We go over the wheel of consent, which is a fantastic framework to help us distinguish between serving, accepting, taking, and allowing. It also helps us get in touch with our generosity, gratitude, integrity, and our ability to surrender. You can find more information about the classes available on my Instagram at Mia Schachter or reach out to podcast at sharetheloadinc.com. Well, I can attest that your work ethic was visible in the one time I saw you audition when I was a casting assistant on The Affair. Like, you are such a pro auditioner. Like, you, from, from, like, from the moment that you walked in the door, like, it was, like, very clear that you were so incredibly, not just prepared, but, like, embodying the, the role. And, and I, you know, obviously you, I don't, I, 
I'm assuming that you haven't sat in on that many auditions, but no, I <clears throat> it is apparent almost instantly. Like the same way that I think happens with like attraction and chemistry, you know, where mm -hmm. like when you have a date and the person walks in the door, you pretty much know one way or the other. Right. Like right. That, it's the same thing in the audition room. And like when you, yeah, in, I know that like, when I coach auditions, I coach actors. That's one thing I try to tell them. I'm like, the moment you walk in the room, your audition starts. Mm -hmm. And it, and that whatever energy that is, starts there and a lot of times I feel like a lot of actors particularly young actors feel like that means it's coming from beyond you know I'm like hi blah, 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 you know and I'm like right. <clears throat> you know I mean and sometimes you know I would just tell people just you know just act like you're supposed to be there and yes. you're there to do a job you know I me mean? because like as I'm more of a veteran in this business than I used to be, which is crazy to me. Um, <clears throat> nothing but I've been in this business almost 20 years now. Um, I, I, it's just like, you, everybody needs to be where they're supposed to be. So the casting director actually wants you to be good. They need you to be oh, good. Yeah. People think casting directors are judging them or they're against them or they're like, what are you gonna do? You know, I'm like, Oh no, they'd prefer if you nail it. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and there are, are exceptions. People have been have had nightmare situations sure, where yeah. the casting people are on the phone or eating or doing weird things while they're, you know, whatever. And and yes, that does happen, sadly. But for the most part, the casting director needs you to be good. They and because oh, yeah. they need the producer to trust them to bring them good people. So everybody needs to, to work together. So now I feel more like I can walk in the room and like, okay, what are we doing? What do we need? Mm -hmm. Let's see if I can provide it. And if I can't, that's okay. That's not, that doesn't mean I'm a bad actor. That means I'm not right for this. And I don't want to be cast in something I'm not right for. Totally. It's terrible if you cast me in something just to give it to me because you like me. Yeah. But I'm not right for it. It's it's a nightmare. I've been in that situation. Don't want. Oh, that. It's like I mean, it sounds like it sounds like being in a bad relationship. You know, where you're like, yeah. we're just not compatible. Why are we trying to make this work? <clears throat> exactly. So I don't want to be in something that I'm not supposed to be in because you can feel it every day. You feel like you're wearing clothes that don't fit you. Yeah. You know. So you you walk in and it's like you're either I'm right or I'm not, and I've seen it enough. You know, I've sat in on enough auditions, kind of, and been around to know that. You know, often you know before the person opens their mouth. Yeah. Or a friend of mine was just telling, actually I'm coaching him later today, he was telling me how he watched somebody get cast on a set and from a phone, they had a, like a taped audition or whatever, from a phone with no sound. Wow. They weren't even listening to the person. They just looked at the guy like, that's him. That's guy. Wow. Okay, keep, you know, whatever. And they cast just like that, just from the, his energy and the way he looked. Right. So, <clears throat> I mean, so anyway, but yeah, work ethic is a big deal. Um, but my personal relationships, yeah, it's the thing that's easy for me to do is like be kind of like a, like a champion and like a, no, I got you, whatever you need, blah, 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 you need a place to stay, you need a mm -hmm. meal, can I buy you dinner, can I, you know, that, that stuff is, is easy for me to do to be kind of like a, like the den mother. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, Your home reflects that too. Well, yeah, that's why I got this. I have a home that's, you know, too big for me. Right. But the way the market was in 2009, when I got it, you could get a relatively large house for a good price because the market had plummeted. Right, right, right. <clears throat> so I was looking at houses, and it was either it's like a small houses and 
slightly bigger houses were all the same. <laughs> yeah, the same. yeah. You know, but what I do as you've been to my house, I, I throw these parties and these big parties, but the parties are not like for me. It's not like I'm sitting in the corner and let having people come to visit me. I'm like working, like I'm at work. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to provide a space for people to meet people and, and network and have a good time and unwind and and have fun and, and whatever. And I've had people all kinds of people meet at my house. I've had people get meet and get married. They met wow. You know what I mean? And have kids and stuff. They met at a party at my house. Oh my god. I've had, you know, um so many business relationships that have kicked off from from being here. So um that is what I'm very, very good at. What I'm not good at is boundaries. I'm not good at that. <clears throat> I'm not good at like like a friend of mine was like, Tracy, I think you have like sur- survivor's remorse hmm. because like I'm the one friend of all my friends I grew up with who made it so okay. far. So I'm always feeling guilty about that, whether it's conscious or, or you know, which is why I can give and give and give to my detriment and to theirs sometimes. And maybe past the limitations of what you actually have in your, yeah, yeah. Or your resources. Even yeah. energetically or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what's supposed yeah. to happen is if you provide, provide, provide at one point when you're like, you know, that's enough. I have to take care of myself now. Then suddenly I'm the devil. Right. Because people have learned to start to expect it. <laughs> and yeah. And they're like, what happened? You know, I, but I what still happened? need this advice or I still need something from you. I need this access or I still need you to put me first. I need right. you to do all, you know, and if they'll see me continue to be on output for other people, but I no longer have it for this person. Mm. And that person is like, well, you give it to her now. You're right. Giving it to him now, you know, and then it becomes a big thing, but like, it's something in my life now that I have to just do, you know what I mean? And I don't like it. It's very uncomfortable and it's, it's painful, but nobody grows if you just keep. Right. Right. There's also like, I think it's, it's so easy to forget <clears throat> that we also need to be like champions for ourselves and, and recognize like, you know, as much as I want to support this other person, I'm not actually going to be able to continue to support them if I'm like depleted. Yeah. Yeah. Or if I'm not neglecting what I need, if I'm choosing what you want over what I want. Right. Right. Over time, that's just, that's just a breeding ground for resentment. It's eventually going to come out, you know? I know. It's like all those bad emotions. It's like the guilt leads to the resentment and then it yeah. just sort of like festers. And yeah. And yeah. 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 And it's so funny because like, I just feel because of so, I think a lot of my giving nature is innate. It's from my father. My father's the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, um, my mom was just like, okay, just always trying to keep things afloat. But, you know, my dad is always like, hey, I'm Papa T, whatever you need. I'm buying drinks, I'm buying dinner. I'm, you know, I get it from my dad. And I, Come over to our house. Yeah. Um, and I love that about myself, that generosity. Um, but then people just think I'm a bank. Right. You know? Well, and then I, as soon well, as it turns from <clears throat> generosity into like obligation, like that's a really yeah. fine line. It is a fine line, you know, and, um, you know, but it's like, there was this line in this play that I auditioned for, um, which was, was all my sons, I think, um, on Broadway. And this woman is talking about how she supported her husband in the beginning of their marriage. Um, and she's like, and that was terrible. 
you know, I, was, I provided for my husband in the beginning and, and, and then it turned into that idea and the other person like, why? I said, well, because a person can't owe you without resenting you. Yeah. And I was like, boom. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, that's heavy. I, oh. You know, how, how have you, um, how, like, what have you been able to incorporate into your life in order to kind of protect that for yourself now? Well, therapy. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, another thing I'm also good at, uh, I just thought of it just now, um, is that I have, uh, I have like kind of, um, extreme empathy. Mm -hmm. Like I can always see where another person's coming from. Um, and so I can always kind of see two sides to things. Some people are always like, okay, logical, Tracy, what? I'm like, mm -hmm. well, you think about, you know, because I kind of think generally speaking, a, a rule of thumb I live by is most things aren't personal. Right. Uh, many things that can hurt you. They're not trying to hurt you. They just, everybody's doing the best they can, you know, with what they have in the moment. You know what I mean? So if I take the personal thing out of a lot of things, I'm like, well, they probably just had a bad day. Right. Like somebody being weird to you out, out in the street or whatever. Um, I'm like, they probably had a bad day. I don't know what they're carrying. That's not about me because I'm doing anything to that person. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to go up with my life and, and not walk around like, he said this and blah, blah, blah. No, we're not going to fight. <laughs> I know a lot of people take everything personally. They think everything is personal. Like, what about me made you think you could say that to me? I'm like, they don't even know you. Right. I know. I'm yeah. working on that one too. Uh, <clears throat> taking everything personally. I mean, sometimes, you know, sometimes things are personal. So it's a balance. Right. Um, and I usually am very good at accepting people right as who they are without trying to change them or judge them because of it. You know what I mean? Just, yeah, just this is who you are. And that's great. You know, people like you just take people just as they are. When yeah. You know, demanding things from people, people to be different than who they are. I mean, I can, like, that's who you are and I'm going to adjust accordingly, but I'm not going to try to make you adjust. To right. Make me right. Um, and also finding that adjustment that like doesn't make you feel like you're um, uh, like acting in conflict with like who you are and your nature. I think that like, finding the ways that you can yeah. adjust to mm -hmm. like communicate better with somebody without yeah. sort of sacrificing like the integrity of who you are. That's exactly. Also that's really fine line. A person that's like, no, I'm going to go off on you or I'm going to try to destroy you or I'm going to retaliate or I'm trying to, you know, cause those yeah. things are not in my nature. Some people are very good at it, you know, and I don't think it's a good thing necessarily, but they're like, okay, I'm going to plan your whole demise. Watch this. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, I'll just kind of like, exit the situation you know what I mean? yeah some people will call the ghosting and i don't really ghost people because mm -hmm. I mean, if you talk to me if you reach out to me generally speaking i will reach back and we can talk but i'll just kind of remove i'll just kind of back it up right you know and if you reach out well we'll talk but <clears throat> i'm not gonna like go after you keep trying to fix it right which is what i used to do i used to always try to fix it and i'm like i'm just gonna let you be over there i'll be over here you know and yeah. if you come at me crazy if you come at me like and try to demand that i engage with you even though you're being destructive then i'm gonna engage mm -hmm. that's when you, you'll get the ghost i'm like i'm not playing this game yeah 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 you no know, you're trying to lash out i'm not i'm not obligated to to participate in this right with you. you know talk to another person we can talk but if you're gonna try to lash out at me i just want to you know, just block nope yeah <clears throat> i'll unblock you in a week we'll talk in a week because 
No, you're trying to pull me into something that is not constructive for either of us. Right. I, I wonder, um, have you talked, like, so this thing that you said that you kind of got from, from your dad, this, like, you know, nurturing, welcoming, like, supportive mm-hmm. kind of party thing. Um, have you talked to him at all? I wonder if he had about that. Like, I wonder if he has a similar experience of like kind of the, the, maybe the feeling of obligation or like teetering on the feeling of obligation when people start to expect it kind of thing. <clears throat> yeah, we have, but he's always telling me to be careful, you know? Mm-hmm. And he said to me one, one time, which was, I didn't, it took me a while to get it. And I wish, you know, you wish you could get stuff the first time, Yeah, you know? have to live through it if you have to um but when i came out here you know when i came out to la i mean i was coming off of rent i just done rent i was on cold case so on the tv show um i had just done this big movie i was working at this tarantino movie it was like all this like so then my friends who i grew up with were like and i was like yeah you know it was like yeah let's do this, you know, and they were all very excited, and I was all very excited. I'm like, come with me, and blah, 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 you know, whatever. I'm bringing everybody with me, let's go, whatever. Um, and it was all very exciting and new and fun, you know, at the beginning. And my dad told me early, he would just be careful. Be careful that you don't start treating your friends like employees. Oh. And I was like, now I wasn't doing it, but he was like, I, I know how this goes. I know this mm-hmm. story, you know. Just be careful. And I was like, I would never. He's like, I'm just... Saying, um, so then what ends up happening when you're in that position, some of your friends start to like fall into like employee situation. They start like, well, I can help you with this. Well, I can do this. And you're like, okay, you know, because they know you need help and they're your friends and they love you, you know, they know you need help. And then they're like, oh, okay, well, sure. Yeah. You want to, you know, and then they need to feel purposeful and they want to be a part of it. So I'm feeling like I'm, helping in some kind of way and i'm like and then if you're with me doing this thing then i can introduce you to these people and then you can create these relationships and have them for yourself and trying to do it but it's a very delicate balance and you have to really be out in front of it the whole time because it's very quickly can flip into like right they feel like oh you just think i'm here to serve you i'm like well no you offered and then right you kept offering and then i'm like okay so i guess we're doing this exchange Right. You know, and then that turns ugly. Well, that's the owing people without resentment thing. Like that's yeah. so hard. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and boundaries too. Like, you know, maybe, right. Like if you have a friend who's an accountant and you need an accountant, you're going to call right. your friend who's an accountant or a lawyer or whatever. But then, yeah, like those, those roles start to shift and change and money mm-hmm. is involved and, it starts to get really complicated when you start to feel like maybe you're monetizing your friendship or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because it's very hard in this business, particularly and, and really, really when you're in the beginning of it. Um, and we all know that, that the, the, that comparison is a thief of joy. Like we know that, but it's very yes. hard to not do that, particularly in artistic, um, you know, careers. So it's very easy to be like, you know, I'm doing well, but why aren't you doing well? Right. You know, and my friends will be like, well, I know why you're doing well because you did this, this, and it's great. Oh my God, I'm here. But over time, you can feel it. You can feel it happening. You know what I mean? And I have been in a position where I was at Juilliard graduating and the, 
right when you graduate, it's the worst time because you do the showcase and some people in your class get a lot of attention. Some people right. get not. Right. You know, and you want to be that person who's like, I'm just, I'm just happy for the people getting more attention. Um, yeah. But I learned that I had this jealousy in me mm. that I hated. I hated it so bad. I didn't want. I didn't want to have it. You know what I mean? I don't like the way it felt. I don't like the things it made me think. You know. That's, and you love these people too, and you don't want to like. I love them, and I didn't know how to allow myself to have both feelings totally. at the same time. I felt I was judging myself for having these feelings. When I'm like, of course I had those feelings. You know, of course my roommate at the time was getting phone calls from like, oh, Denzel Washington called me today. And I'm like, great. Uh, my phone didn't ring. You know, right. and I just. I hated it. I hated how it made me feel. And it started to chip away my relationships. You know what I mean? Right. Um, that was my second bout with therapy. I was like, I gotta talk to somebody about this because I couldn't <sighs> lay it on my front, you know? Yeah. I could be like, I'm jealous of you. I think you're better than me. But somebody doesn't matter, even if they are better than me. Yeah. I mean, because even if, so as what? you were saying, like certain people <laughs> are the right fit for certain roles, like there's also that element, right? Where we can like look at people who are getting farther ahead in the field that we work in and be like, well, yeah, like you were just better for that. Like you were a better fit for this. Yeah. Or even this. if you're more talented than me. So. Sure. You know, I mean, that's, that's just real. There are yeah. people going to be more talented than you. There are people going to sing better. People going to be prettier and smarter and taller or shorter or thinner or whatever. You just right. need to be the person that you are, you know? And so and where are you know, with that now? Um, it took a lot of work. I mean, like I went through this period where if I felt competitive, I mean, I'm, I, I also can be very competitive, but I don't like that here. Um, a little bit of it is good, but sure. I don't like the way it makes me feel. Um, so if I had an audition coming up and my direct competition, I knew them, you know, I would, I would call them and make sure they had the audition. You know, would be like, hey, you're going up for this thing? Make sure you're going up for this thing. You know, and they'd be like, really? I'm like, thank you. You know, I'm like, yeah. I mean, we're all in this together. Right. You know, and if it's mine, it's mine. So I, did, I kept testing that, that idea that what's for me is for me and what's for you is for you. So me trying to keep it from you. Right. Is that. Uh, I don't, I don't want it that way. I don't want it because I was hoarding or being mm. secretive or not being generous and open, you know, and a lot of people were shocked that the, the, the actresses I would call would be shocked, you know, a couple of them like, I would not do this for you. Right. I can't believe you did that. And I'm like, well, I mean, I think you'd be really right for it. I think you're really right for it. Right. I think you that know? also speaks to like your kind of, um, you know, you're kind of rejecting the scarcity mentality that we see in this industry. Of like, well, yeah, because I, because I, I don't want to be, I don't want to live in that space. I know it's a, it's a, it's a, there's truth to it. Like, there's only so many roles. Sure. You know, the idea that it's there's room for everybody. Yeah, but really, is there? Room? Yeah, there is actually like a number that you could. There actually on. is a, num- a <laughs> finite number of how many roles there are. Whereas if you're a musician, there's room for everybody. You know, sure. I mean, there's no role you're trying to get hired to do. You know, right? There's only so many slots in a certain like concert series. Sure, but. Yeah, no, I see what you mean. Yeah. Um, but there, there's, you know, thousands of girls got to compete for this one role and only one will get it. Right. Is the truth of it. Sort of puts us in this really weird feeling. You feel like you're in the Hunger Games. 
<laughs> yeah, but I guess you could also think about it like over time, there there isn't a finite number of roles. Like as you look at it into the future, yeah. like yes, there may be only a certain number of roles that are, but you know, like if someone else gets it over you today. There's a, yeah, there's another role out there. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I always look at pilot season like musical chairs. Right. Like in the beginning, right. musical chairs, like we have all the all the actors are there with all the chairs and then they move one they chair. They take a chair, yeah. They take a chair and they're all competing for, you know, mm. that slot. Do you know what I'm saying? And and by the end you're still like circling the chair, you know. Right. And you need chairs a chair. Are the jobs, right? I'm making this up as I go along. The chairs are the jobs and you're right. all competing for one less job. Right. And at the end you're like, who's left? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then of course, like negotiation comes into play too. And it's like, you know, and location and all these things that are like, you might be the right person for the job, but then these maybe like scheduling, like, like, yeah, that, that job on the affair almost (laughs) didn't pan out simply because of scheduling. Yeah. I've lost a lot of things because of scheduling, but that's a sexy problem, right? Sure. Right. You're so in demand. (laughs) I made that work by the way. I figured out that schedule. I'm so grateful. <laughs> I mean, I look back at it. I was in the middle of so many jobs at that point. Yeah, I'm poor being yeah, right. oh. jobs <laughs> um, That I was watching it when it came on. I was like, I don't really remember any of this. Oh, wow. I remember the experience of it. I remember the energy of it. I remember trying to figure out this chair move in the beginning to come in his book chair and mark and whatever. I remember that, but the words, I was like, oh, I had a big, I had a lot to say and I couldn't, I couldn't tell you one of those lines. Wow. That's amazing. I couldn't tell you one because I was in the middle of like, you know, I tend to get these, the jobs I do tend to get are wordy. I tend to get like, hmm. you know, cops and you know, um, <clears throat> FBI agents, a lot of, you know, they talk a lot. Like right. FBI agents, therapists, you know, <clears throat> that chick was like a PR fixer chick. Yeah, yeah, like a publicist. A publicist, like, okay, this is what we're going to do. You're going to call, you're going to do this. You're going to issue an apology. Right. Blah, 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 and speech, you know. And my brother was like, it's because you have, like, the warmth and the caring and the listening intently. Uh-huh. Like, cops are like, I'm just going to bust on the door and blah, 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 and pull a gun out. Right. They don't interview people. Right. You know, cops don't interrogate. Cops don't sit in a room and go, okay, so what's going on? That's not what a beat cop does. A beat cop right, just not about listening. Room. Yeah. That might have actually come like from your from your mom in a way, right? Like that's yeah. sort of the mm-hmm. innate, that obviously, you know, it's like always a chicken and egg thing. Like, was she a social worker? Well, of course, yeah. A good listener, or did she become a good listener because she was a social worker kind of question? Yeah. Yeah. My 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 dad is also a very good listener as well. I mean, I have good listening parents, you know, they're going to know yeah. what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, but- that's what I, what I love about that particular aspect of listening and like coming from a place of honesty and being present in the moment is that if you're a really good actor, you're good at all of those things and that makes you a better person. Yes. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, um, we do have to wrap, wrap up. Unfortunately, I feel like I could talk to you all day. Um, as always, but, um, my last question for you is, can you share three people or experiences or pieces of media, whether it's like a show or a book or a movie, um, that were formative to you that you would consider, um, have like brought you to exactly this moment in your life? I'll tell you, Rent is one for me. So 
Rent is one for me too. I mean, definitely. I mean, when I saw it on Broadway, I was like, I was like sobbing. I didn't know why. Yeah. You know, but I knew I had to be in it. I saw it in 97 and I booked it in 2004. So rent for sure. It changed my life more than once. Um, <laughs> more than once it changed my life. Um, Hmm. Um, a person, uh, Marion McClinton, okay. who just passed away. Um, oh, yeah. He was a, a director and mentor for me that, um, you know, he just, he could really speak my language in a way. It was really challenging to me more than me. You know, I have this thing about me, apparently, and at Juilliard, because I've been acting for so long, I could kind of be slick with it, you know. Just like, I'm just going to pull out my tricks and do it. It'll be fine. And Marion was like, no, you're not gonna do that thing that you do. You're gonna do this. Yeah, I don't know what you're gonna do, but you're gonna get out there and challenge yourself and and dig into a place that you don't wanna go to, but you're gonna do it. And I'm like, no, I don't wanna do it. And I'm like, I can't do that. I kinda can't do it. I said, you know. And he just challenged me over and over again. And we worked together several times and then became one of my best friends. And he also put me in a room with August Wilson and I worked on August play with August Wilson. Oh God, that just gave me chills. <laughs> yeah. 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 Whoa. Yeah, even I can't believe it happened, but it did. But it did. Um, so definitely Mary McClinton. Um, I mean, my parents, that's cliche. I can say that all day long, my parents, they're amazing. I don't think that everyone would say their parents, you know? I think that that's a really- it, It's true. Choice. A lot of people would, or a lot of people feel like they should. I had an actor, acting teacher, John Sticks, the late John Sticks, who was amazing at Juilliard. And, you know, the way he talked about acting, he was like, the way we always look at acting, like, you have to try to become someone who's outside of yourself. Like, so you say, you know, it's like, Juliet is over there. Right. I have to become Juliet. So I'm doing all this process, trying to become somebody else. And he was like, instead, Juliet is me. So I'm Juliet. Yeah. You know, and then I change things about myself that Julia wouldn't do, but rather than like change my whole humanity to become something else, I ask myself questions like, well, would you, how does Juliet speak? And if she speaks differently, then I change that one thing. Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to change my whole humanity because y- you're the only humanity that you can come from. You can't create another humanity because that's, that's what makes you you. So if you try to separate your, your humanity from the character, it's really hard to get it back at the end. So right. try to put it back in there. Uh, and I was like, oh, that makes complete and perfect sense. But you know, my humanity is, is what I'm made up of, you know, and my mother not being an artist, but being very practical and being very like thoughtful in that way really helped me with my work ethic and all that stuff. Because um, my dad's a dreamer. Mind you, his work ethic is great too, but he's like mm-hmm. impulsive and he's a dreamer. My mom's like, okay, all right, guys. <laughs> Down the brass tacks. Um, so yeah, I was in my parents as a unit. So I had really the best of both worlds there. I guess that's three. Yeah, that's three. I think what you're saying though about what that acting teacher was saying is such a beautiful metaphor for kind of um, the the limitations of empathy, but also like kind of what makes empathy a beautiful challenge is like it's not you know you can't possibly become someone else. You can't possibly yeah. like know what it's like to be someone else. You can really only dig into your humanity and like ask yourself ask questions 
Yeah. I really approach acting in a more logical way than other people I know. They go, they go straight like emotional mm-hmm. to, get, to get somewhere. And I'm like, I don't, I'm not wired that way. I have to like figure it out, you know? And also yeah. another amazing teacher, French Hell Stewart Dorn. I've had, had great teachers. And they get these, these little nuggets. Mm-hmm. She always talk about emotion being, emotion is a side effect. It is right. not a thing, it's not a thing on its own. People yeah. aren't just sad. Unless you're, unless you're battling depression, that's a different, sure. unless you're actually like having a clinical issue. Um, generally speaking, sad, sadness comes from a thing. Happiness comes from an event or a thing or a person, whatever. So you can't chase the emotion to chase the thing. Right, right. And the thing will produce the emotion as a side effect. And you don't know what it's gonna be. You don't know what the emotion's gonna be necessarily, you know? It may be not, you may feel nothing, and that in itself is something. Yeah, you know this whole thing with the actors like I just want to feel like cry. Feel, yeah, feel. right. How does that make you feel? I don't care. How much you feel? Yeah. What are you doing? And what do you need? What do you want? And what are you doing to get it? And yeah. your failure to get it, or your success in getting it, will produce some kind of emotional response as a side effect. You can't go after the emotional response. Right. That's a, yeah, that's really beautiful. Well, Tracy, thank you so much. Can you tell people where they can find you? I'm on Twitter at at Tracy Toms. Mm -hmm. And I'm on Instagram at at Tracy Toms. And also I'm on Cameo. You want to Cameo? Um, You can see me on Cameo and we can have a chat. Cool. And Tracy Toms is spelled T-R-A-C-I-E-T-H-O-M-S. If you find these episodes enriching or educational, please consider becoming a member at patreon.com slash share the load. You can also help by rating and writing a review of the podcast on iTunes and sharing it with friends. I'm on Instagram at Mia Schachter. There's two CHs in there. And you can follow the podcast at share the load podcast. Special thanks to Pete Ziarto at director Pete for recording, editing, and producing, to Tyler Field for the music, and Candice Blake Goodman for the cover art. You can reach me with questions and comments at podcast at sharetheloadinc.com. Thanks, Tracy. Thank you. So good to see you. So good to see you. Yeah. Stay safe. You too. You too.